0: So you look at words from a different perspective, you redefine the vocabulary and I'm really big on redefining what vocabulary means. For example, people are going through difficult times and they're failing and man, failure is so bad. So it's horrible. We want to avoid failure. But no, what if we could pivot that and looking at it as this term failure that we've grown up with, having our subconscious basically tell us that failure is bad, it's engraved in our mind, in our muscle memory, the myelin wrapped around millions of times to think failure is bad. But actually, failure is not just a way that we can learn and grow, it is the only way Mm. to learn and grow. So looking at it as like these difficult times that happen to us.
1: I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur Welcome back to another episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today on the show, I have one of the most inspirational and passionate people I have come across in a long time. This guy, when you hang out with him or speak to him, it literally feels like you've had three cups of coffee because of his innate ability to pull positivity out of you, his ability to stay positive within himself despite adversities. And when I first talked to him, I knew we were going to have such a deep conversation that was going to be impactful and meaningful because I felt like we were kindred spirits in the way that we share common values, common belief systems, and more importantly, our love for being of service and helping others. And my guest today is none other than David Nurse, who is an MBA life and optimization coach a future best-selling author if you haven't read his book Pivot and Go you need to go check it out it is life-changing and a worldwide motivational speaker he is a former professional basketball player he played both internationally and domestic and a coach for the Brooklyn Nets he has personally helped over 150 150 NBA players with their personal and professional development both on and off the court in this episode we're going to be talking about his incredible story and the pivotal moment in his life when he knew his NBA dreams were over and he had to make that pivot in his own perspective uh, to not only go in a brighter direction for his own life, but now that he's being able to help so many other people. And we also get into his seven step process to develop unshakable confidence. Now, I've heard so many tips so many ideas on how to develop and cultivate confidence. And I believe this is one of the easiest blueprints there are to implement it into your life because he makes it so easily digestible and applicable to the point where when you get done listening to this episode, I guarantee you, you're gonna be able to put these into your life and you're going to watch yourself feel better. You're going to be able to look in the mirror and just know that you have purpose and meaning and there's going to be a smile on your face. So listen, if you are self-conscious and struggling on how to be more confident with yourself, this episode is a must listen because you're going to learn a lot from David as he gives tips and pieces of advice, not only how to achieve confidence, but to become optimistic. And let's face it, you know, right now we are in one of the most stressful times ever, right? I've said it numerous times on the show. And now more than ever, we really need to lean in on positive media. We really need to lean in on bettering ourselves and personal growth and looking to kind of gain these edges and tips that can really make that incredible shift or pivot where we can become better and finally gain confidence in ourselves to know that the direction we're headed to is the direction we're meant to go. So without further ado, I wanna welcome David Nurse to the Adversity Advantage Podcast.
0: David, man, thank you so much for hopping on. Doug, appreciate you big time, man. Looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, man, it's funny. You wrote this book called Pivot and Go and you played you know, professional basketball and you were in the league as a coach. And the word pivot now, during this pandemic and during this 2020 has been a word that's been probably overused, right? So kind of like give me your perspective on the word pivot and maybe talk about like one of the most pivotal moments in your life that got you to where you are today
0: man yeah absolutely and that is kind of the buzzword the term that everybody's using is is pivoting and i didn't obviously didn't know this time was going to happen but it's it's really actually helped the book because oh pivot and go how can i get how can it become unstuck and and what a pivot is at the core is it's it's a basketball term and it's when you're defended all the defenders are all over you. you can't see any lane you can't see the hoop but you make a small turn a small shift and everything opens up. Not a big drastic change or a big, big drastic turn, just a small pivot in the perspective that opens up your entire perspective. And, and the, the, the reason I wrote the book was because I've gone through many pivots in my life, a really, really big pivot. And it's for people that feel stuck in a situation. And right now, to some extent, we all feel stuck and we're all trying to figure out how we can pivot out of this and I'll just tell you the, the story of, of my pivot so I grew up in the middle of nowhere cornfields of Iowa just just really wanted to play in the NBA that was my whole dream my whole mission everything I did on a daily basis was poured into how could I play in the NBA now I never dunked a basketball once can't even touch the rim I'm 6'2 not very athletic my parents probably should have said hey David maybe play tennis or golf something along those lines but they were really supportive and encouraging so I loved basketball and I got to play college basketball basically grinded my way to get there and I'm playing fast forward to where I'm playing overseas and it sounds really cool to say yeah I'm playing professionally over in Europe, but it was more like the Will Ferrell version the semi pro the movie where it's more of a joke of a league the second division Spanish northern Spain team in the Basque region they're more interested of drinking beers at halftime than they are actually playing in the game. And here I am putting in all this extra work, this film study, these two-a-days, just pouring into myself as a player, and I get cut from this team. So not only are all my hopes and dreams and everything that I put into my life with no backup plan, no backup plan taken away from me, they're turned upside down and my face is rubbed in the dirt. So I come back and I'm living on my parents' recliner chair in Kansas City for about five months, licking my wounds, feeling bad for myself. And my mom would always say these inspirational, motivational quotes, and usually this, yeah, whatever, mom in one ear, out the other ear. But she said this one that really stuck with me. I was kicked back in the recliner chair. She was doing dishes. I remember it vividly. She said, David, when one door closes, four open in an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. And I never heard that before. I always thought, man, when one door closes, wow. one opens. but But what she was saying is there's so many more opportunities to come by having a door closed. And that's when it triggered in me, hey, everything I've been doing to play in the NBA, everything that I've been pouring into myself to be in the NBA has actually been for me to learn how to help others, how to coach. So my big pivot came from the realization that I wasn't gifted, my gift wasn't to play, but it was that pivot that everything I put into it was to actually coach. And that's when, right there, I made that decision. I'm going to become a coach in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I think it's gosh, it's an amazing story, man. Because I can only imagine what was what you were going through. I just know for me, I had aspiring dreams as well to play sports professionally. The problem was I wasn't six two. I was I'm five eight and a half, five nine. I couldn't run, couldn't jump, <laughs> had no balance. So I barely made it through like rec sports, right? And then for you, it seems like you had these huge aspirations. You had these dreams. I mean, I know right now, like, your uncle is the head coach of the Toronto Raptors, right? Like, it's in the family of basketball. And then you get to that moment, I'm sure, and you're like, all right, I'm going to play in the NBA. And then you have that realization that what? I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to make it. And then you end up going overseas. You're like, I'll settle. And you got the guys, like you said, they're going out for beers and you're watching film and reading. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you get cut from that team. And then in that moment, I'm sure there was part of you that was like, man, God, what are you doing to me? Like, what's going on right now? I didn't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? And then I think the words from your mom, and I'm sure some other shifts in your mindset were like, what oh, this happened for me, it gave me purpose. There was meaning in these dark times, there was meaning in these times of adversity. I think so many times, there's a lot of people that are listening to this show, or if they're watching it on YouTube or whatever that are going through really, really dark times in their life, whether it's they're, they're stuck right now during the 2020 stuff we're dealing with, whether it's through addiction, whether it's just they've gotten out of a really terrible situation or relationship. What are some of the top things you recommend to the people that you work with or maybe that you did in that situation that were able to kind of pivot your mindset in such a way that was able to have you become super optimistic about where you were going?
0: yeah that's such a good point because we see these difficult situations as things that are happening to us and the woe is me factor sets in but if we can view these as what i call these surviving to thriving so you look at words from a different perspective you redefine the vocabulary and i'm really big on redefining what vocabulary means for example people are going through difficult times and they're failing and man failure is so bad So it's horrible. We want to avoid failure But no, what if we could pivot that and looking at it as this term failure that we've grown up with having our subconscious Basically tell us that failure is bad. It's engraved in our mind in our muscle memory the myelin wrapped around millions of times to think failure is bad, but actually Failure is not just a way that we can learn and grow. It is the only way mm. to learn and grow. So looking at it as like these difficult times that happen to us, excuse me, it is, it's, it's actually a very big time blessing because not only are we learning and growing, but now that also we're able to teach somebody to help somebody else along their journey who there is going to be somebody else that goes through the same exact thing that you are struggling with right now in your life. There is going to, it's it's a fact, it's going to happen. And you now have the opportunity for them to relate to you to be able to help them. And it's all about this perspective. That's why the pivot in the perspective and understanding that these times are going to happen. Literally, we can't avoid them. It's, It's what I call falling into the pit. So you imagine yourself in this pit. You've just fallen into this pit. And you don't want to be in there. It's uncomfortable. It sucks. But instead of trying to just get your way out of the pit without learning why you're actually there, you embrace the pit. You embrace the suck. And you've just fully immersed yourself in that pit knowing that, knowing that everything that you're doing through your days, whether you're seeing results or not, doesn't matter. Because it's going, it is a preparation. Every day is a preparation for an opportunity to come. Now, we don't know when that opportunity is going to come. That's on God's timing, which is much better than our timing. It always ends up being so much better than our own timing. But knowing that it will absolutely come if, if and only if you stick the course. If you take this mindset of, I talk a lot about taking 1% steps daily. If you take this mindset of, I'm just gonna take one baby step, one one minor step. Looking at the big macro, yes, is your big goal picture, but taking the little micros, one percent steps. And also understanding that, hey, one, one big thing where people really get caught up is is okay, they, they fall off the horse, they're down for two days, three bad days, four bad. That's that's totally okay. That happens to everyone. Mm. There is no straight line that has ever gone to success, never a straight line to success. It's always curvy up and down like the stock markets, but eventually trending up. So it's having these type of understandings. And then in the book, I go through a lot of different tools of actually how to do these different types of actionable tools that you can use on a daily basis. Cause I'm really big on the hows. Like I love when people talk about the whys, and the purpose and we've all heard that we all we all hear these things we all take in a lot of content listen to a lot of podcasts listen read a lot of books but how many of them actually translate that knowing into doing so throughout the book there's action steps and plans action plans in the end of each chapter blueprints to give you the actual tools to become unstuck and continue to take these one percent steps
1: yeah i love that whole embracing the suck mentality right i think you have two choices when you're going through adversity and trying to make a massive pivot or change it's it's going to suck to to change your lifestyle it's going to suck to drink more water it's going to suck to start eating healthier it's going to suck to change your friends it's going to suck to take yeah. quiet time in the morning but it also sucks staying in that same spot that same dark place feeling sorry for yourself and then looking back and being like what like i am so pissed off at myself that i didn't like take those moments of failure and learn and grow and use that time to become a better version of myself. And I think the word failure, if we were to just change that word failure to like learning opportunity, so many people would try, I believe because failure. It's kind of like the the worst cuss word there is. And I love your whole macro steps, like or or micro steps to get to something macro, the 1%, right? Think of it in basketball terms. How many times do you hear like the coach, but just take the layup, take the layup. And you see somebody try to get between the legs, miss a dunk, (laughs) And then they're like, man, why did I just, why didn't I just take the layup? So when it comes to building confidence, right, I believe that confidence is built by doing this, the things you should be doing repetitively every single day that'll lead up to like building equity in your confidence bank. And then over time, that's how you organically build your own self-esteem and is through taking care of yourself and doing the things in your gut you should be doing. So I know for you, there's like a seven step process you walk people through that you're coaching. On how to really build true confidence like what does that look like and to help people feel more confident we will get you back to this episode of the adversity advantage in just one second but first wanted to let you know this podcast is brought to you by danette may and mindful health llc featuring golden superfood bliss a product from her earth echo foods line imagine drinking a rich and creamy elixir loaded with goodness and sweet enough to satisfy any sweet tooth this blend is focused around turmeric a potent spice that's perfect for supporting a healthy inflammatory response, helping you shed stubborn pounds, improving digestion, and supporting your mental health. Then it's blended with black pepper, coconut milk, MCT oil, amla fruit, cinnamon bark, ginger root, ashwagandha, and a unique blend of mushrooms including reishi, shiitake, mataki, and lion's mane. Ever try golden milk? It pales in comparison to this. It's truly indulgent, Golden Superfood Bliss will help to elevate your well-being and prepare you to take on the world and live your best life. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they have been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. So go to EarthEchoFoods.com forward slash Doug Again, it's EarthEchoFoods.com forward slash Doug to learn more about the amazing benefits of Golden Superfood Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Now back to the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And first and foremost, to your point, I really like what you say, hey, we don't even look at this word failure. We look at it as a learning opportunity. One thing I like to do that's been really effective is you take these words that are like failure and for basketball terms, this word slump, and you put something kind of goofy instead of it. So I'll ask players when was the last time they were in a shooting slump and I'll see their body language just crumble. And they'll be like, man, I couldn't make a shot. Took me three games to make a shot. I was just such a bad slump. And then I'll ask them, when was the last time you were in a shooting hippopotamus and then they'll look at me like, what, what, what what are you talking about, David? But it's just changing that word to something a little different, something more comedic that kind of makes you laugh at these situations. So instead of failure, you're laughing at failure. You're embracing it instead. So it's a, it's a tool and a trick that you can use in those words redefinition, but confidence literally is the core, the foundation of everything you do. Like it's self-confidence, true self-confidence. And, it's, and I have seven steps that I go through, but everything is built on the foundation of self-awareness, meaning our confidence doesn't come through results. It doesn't come through our resume. It doesn't come through our achievements or accomplishments or what the world says is this confidence, but it, it comes through our self-awareness of who we are what do we stand for why are you waking up every morning doing what you do what is your big purpose what what are you doing for others to improve others not just yourself your true self-awareness which is more than if you can detach yourself from if i could detach myself from basketball and no one ever said basketball again to me i'd be perfectly okay because i'm confident in my self-awareness and then i have a, i have a seven steps that i go through and we can we can go through all seven steps i can just tell you the seven ones what works best for you
1: yeah i mean just i just lay it all out like i mean because i think let's do it i mean i think confidence for people man especially now I mean, no matter what they're going through if they're going through something whether it's 2020 related or maybe it's in the future or something they've gone through and they're looking back and like how could i've handled it better it all comes from awareness right it all comes from yeah. the confidence and the ability to stand firm in your own values and your own truths, right? I think so many times people get upset with the way they behave, they get upset with the way they act, they get upset with decisions they make because they're acting out of line with who they know they should be as a person. So talk a bit about like what your method is when helping the players you coach and just the people you coach to build like true confidence. Like what are those seven steps?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I call it the unshakable confidence. And now this works for NBA players, but it also works for business leaders. It works for the normal, usual nine to five. It works for a stay at home parent. They're all the same principles put together. So the first one that I go with is confidence through comparison. Now I know this sounds kind of counterintuitive where why would we want to be comparing and that the Instagram comparison? Yeah, what's he doing? How many likes he getting? Yeah, that's a bad type of comparison. Mm. But confidence through comparison is very healthy. When you find somebody who is where you want to get to. If you could create your ideal like, this is who I wanna be. Now you're gonna be different than him because everybody's different, that's that's perfect. Be you, but someone that you want to be like, like Kobe did to Jordan. Kobe literally watched his interviews, answered questions exactly like Jordan did. said everything, studied Michael Jordan because he wanted, he could see himself becoming him. That's who he wanted to become. Like for myself, I wanted to become the best shooting coach in the NBA. When I made that pivot that I was going to coach in the NBA, I was going to be the best shooting coach in the NBA since that's all I could do when I played anyways. So I found the best shooting coach. He was a San Antonio Spurs shooting coach, Chip England. And I wrote him a letter. I called him. I emailed him. I even went out to Las Vegas just for the opportunity to meet him at NBA Summer League out in Las Vegas. And he saw all of this that I put in just to have that opportunity to meet him that he took me under his wing and helped groom me to become this shooting coach. So it's the confidence through comparison of studying others who have been there before and have done it before and knowing that if they did this, hey, I can do it as well. And that gives you a lot of confidence.
1: That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole comparison trap, I, I agree with. You don't want to be comparing yourself to people on social media all the time or comparing yourself to your neighbors or or whatever. But when you're trying to grow and you're trying to become a better version of yourself and you're trying to get that edge surrounding yourself with people that have been in your shoes and that have have achieved greatness and success, you pretty much, it pretty much helps you to short circuit your way there. I mean, it's not that you're taking an easy out, but why not learn from somebody who's been there? Because a lot of times the people who have gone through tough stuff and have gotten to a place where they're extremely successful they, they appreciated the grind so much and they value the lessons they learned that they're willing to give back and share with others because they probably, they're like, man, I wish I had somebody tell me this or I wish I knew then what I know now. And it doesn't mean that you won't learn your own lessons along the way. Of course you will because we're all different. But I think seeking out mentors, seeking out coaches, mm. putting yourself in the room with people who are smarter than you is the only way to succeed. Yeah. Am I right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's iron sharpens iron. And we're big believers in that. And I talk a lot about setting up your environment. And most people talk about it as like, okay, your physical environment, but more powerful is your environment of the people that you are around. Mm. And I have a rule, like, I'm not gonna have anybody that's like a negative vampire energy sucker in my life. Because why? Like, we, I mean, yes, they have truth tellers, you don't want people just being yes men to you, but have positively encouraging truth tellers. And your point on having a mentor, like like our mutual friend John Gordon, I, I basically made him my mentor. He's embraced that role, and I'm I'm learning a ton from him on the speaking and the author world. But I, I know I wouldn't be able to do some of the things that I'm doing if I hadn't have pursued having seeking him out to be a mentor to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, gosh, mentors are everything. I look at mentors back in my life, and sometimes they're unexpected. They're not the sometimes they're the ones that don't have the name or they don't have. Their credentials yeah, that yeah. become like the ones that you look back, like wow, like that advice really hit home with me. I know for me, like for everybody listening, they know my story, or maybe they're just learning about it now. My cellmate in jail was a huge mentor of mine, and and it's not like mm-hmm. if I when I first was listening to his advice or being around him, I was like, yeah, that guy is gonna have a massive impact in my life. Like the first time I saw him, there was no way I was thinking that. But as I look back, I mean. I mean I've been mentored by some amazing people that have some notoriety to them and he was probably the most important person in my life to push me to where I needed to go to get out of that rut and pivot and develop that unshakable confidence right so the first the first part is the comparison what's that what comes after the comparison part
0: so the next one is confidence through strength focus mm-hmm. and we're mostly told we're told that we have to improve our weaknesses we are our weaknesses but Weaknesses is just another term for a compliments wish list, meaning we are all given God-given abilities and strengths different from others to put together, to piece together, to make the ultimate team. So in terms of the NBA, like if you give me a player who's just good in every area, they're not playing in the NBA. But if you give me a player, like a guy that I grew up with and have trained a very close friend of mine, Kyle Korver, who's great in one area, shooting... He's a stud, man, and he's shooting threes. And he embraced this strength. Like, he he literally embraced this strength of, I'm going to be the best shooter there possibly is. I remember watching him
1: tear it up at Creighton back in the day. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. But he understood his strength, and he really focused on it. Like, we've done dribbling drills and workouts, and he's dribbling off his foot. He'd be the first to tell you that, but he knows what his strength is. And there's a lot of confidence that you can gain knowing that you have this God given ability and you can focus on this. And mm. I'm a believer too, man. And then the balance, the 80, 20 balance is BS. Mm. Like I'm going to focus. Yeah, sure. I'll make my weaknesses become eventual assets that I'll work on, but I'm not going to focus on them. I don't want to focus on that that, that, that having to have balance. I don't want to have balance in how much I love my wife or my family. Like I want to be all in and I've got a strength and I'm going to focus on that strength.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like people who are constantly focusing on what they're not good at, they tend to not do as well in life. And I'm not saying, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't work on things that you need improving. Like if you sure. need to, to like work on maybe your temperament or work on your ability to keep your house clean, Absolutely. whatever it is that you shouldn't work on it. But what if m- most people would just, they focus on that instead of being like, what are you great at? What are you good at? Like, what can you really use? What are your strengths? And that's, I think how like in business, you see in businesses, people are are playing to their strengths, right? You hear that a lot, right? Where it's team sports or in businesses play to your strengths and there's different roles for different um, people in different organizations with that. And I think even in our own personal lives, man, it's like, we tend to forget the things we're great at because we live in a world that's constantly telling us what we can't do. We live in a world that we're constantly being told things that are negative or whatever it is, or what's bad about this. What's bad about that. We boo here, we boo there. And if you miss the game winning shot, you get booed. If you fumble the ball, you get booed. And and I think it like hardwires us in a way to only like put stock in the stuff we need to work on and not what we're great at. Because for every like two or three things we might need to work on there's probably another three four five six things that we're great at right and if you can just put like most of your effort into that and like just go hard you have so mm-hmm. much more of an impact right so, so i love good. what you say we it's talked good. about comparison like surrounding yourself with bigger people to build mm-hmm. confidence we talk about playing to your strengths what's number three
0: so three we kind of touched on earlier is confidence through redefining vocabulary where we mm-hmm. talked about turning the slump turning the failure turning Confidence turning joy to redefining it to what your own term means. It's like there's a chapter in the book of Pivot to Go. It's, it's called the rich life. Like what is rich? Is rich having a lot of money and being like Steve Jobs and on your deathbed and unhappy with your life, or is it is it rich in your relationships with family, with friends? Like you get to make the decision what certain words mean. Just because we grew up and our subconscious thinks they mean certain things, they don't necessarily have to. And and in, in step with that as well is like when I work with NBA players, we never focus on results. We don't focus on what the world would say is success or results. We focus solely on the process. I know that might sound kind of cliche to say, but actually doing it holds a lot of power. Like for one of my NBA players who's had a great year with the Toronto Raptors this year, we focused on getting to his great shots. He has two great shots, catch and shoot threes and attacking the hoop downhill in transition. So literally everything that we analyze are based on, did he get those shots? And if he did, that's a win. We check those as wins. We don't worry if they go in or out. That will eventually take care of itself. But if we focus on the process, that result will come. If you focus on the results, the results will not come. So it's confidence in redefining vocabulary and just solely focusing on the process.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Inky Johnson. Are you familiar with him? You ever see yeah, him speak? absolutely. He talks yep, about yep. the process being more important than the product. And it's so true. You think about like anytime you make a batch of brownies, right? It's always like super, super freaking messy. The first time you got like icing everywhere, you got the mixture all over the floor, you got stuff all over your hands. But then you like you tweak it and you tweak it and you tweak it. And sure enough, it becomes a little bit less messy, a little bit less messy, a little bit less messy and and starting to taste better and taste better. And I think that's so much about life too. Each time you go through something, each time you go through adversity, each time you get a job or you may be in a a relationship, hopefully what you're doing is you're going through the process and you're learning and you're growing and you're evolving through that versus just Mm -hmm. focusing on the end result. Because like I said... I think so many times, instead of taking the layup or hitting a single, we go for the home run, we go for the slam dunk, when really just take the layups, like just take the layup, Get take the easy two, and just do that repetitively over time, trust the process and the product will be beautiful versus trying to like go from like zero to 300, just because you're like looking at what someone else is doing, you end up trying to make this big, massive pivot, right? That you shouldn't do, right? Because I think I'm pretty sure you talk a lot about making sure that you're taking calculated pivots too. And you're not just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go play yeah. professional basketball. I'm five <laughs> two hundred 200 pounds. And I've never dribbled a ball, right? Like you got to make sure that you're doing the simple things every day. So, all right. So we talked about perspective, right? That was step number three is like kind of redefining how you use words. What's number four.
0: Yeah. And, and first off, man, you're so good. Like these points are so like I'm just getting juiced up and smiling yeah, over here because it's right online. And and one thing I think too is like we keep talking about layups. Like is is that because it's the easy thing, or is that because we both couldn't dunk? I don't know.
1: I don't know, man. I think it's <laughs> probably because we both couldn't dunk. It's funny. We were before yeah. we recorded. We were talking, and I was telling him, I was like, "Why, like, didn't you really make it in the league?" And. And he was like well i couldn't really dunk my athletic ability my (laughs) god-given athletic ability just wasn't there i could just shoot and that was it right and i'm like well at least you were six two i was like because i couldn't even touch the net growing up like and that was like that was the most embarrassing thing right is when everyone would like be in gym class and some people be touching the backboard some people be hanging on the rim some people would be like taking their hand and like swat like swatting the net i couldn't even get close to the net it's funny even when I lost a bunch of weight, like this was probably like five or six years ago, we were doing this like combine at the gym. And I remember like smoking it in the push-ups. I like held, I got like, I held like a nine minute plank. And I'm just saying this, not to brag, just to give you some perspective on my athletic ability and how like I can't jump. And then I did some, I forget what what, what, what one of the other things was, it was push-ups, plank. And well, anyway, we got to like the high jump and I got like four inches. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed because I'm like, gosh, I am so not ever going to play professional basketball. So one of the things I think that's interesting too about the whole layup thing, and you can use the analogy however you want. You can talk about like just singles or taking the kicking the extra point, not going for whatever it is. The point I think that David and I are both trying to make is instead of like trying to jump so far ahead of yourself to get to thinking you're going to take a shortcut to get to a product take the baby steps and just focus on getting a little bit better each and every day. And it'll add up to where you're wanting to go. Because I think so many people, at least in my space, I mean, I'm in the fitness space. So many people fail on their workout programs or their nutrition because they're like, Oh, I'm yeah. going to go from eating junk food for 20 years. So I'm just going to cut it all out of my diet or my, which I hate the word diet, by the way, I'm going to cut it yeah, all out of my life yeah. in one day. And then I'm going to, I'm just all of a sudden magically never going to crave unhealthy food again. It's not the way it works. It's a like gradual changes over time, develop the habits, develop the routines, make it a lifestyle. So, all right, so, so what's the next step?
0: So the next step is confidence through creating your own personal highlight reel. And we've all had this moment where we've just been feeling like, man, we are in the zone, like everything Mm -hmm. we do is on point, on fire, whether it's a business meeting, a phone call, locking down a sale, an NBA player having a great game, like we've all had this highlight reel zone now. We far too often live in the what we aren't compared to what we are. We think that might that that highlight reel is an anomaly when, mm. in reality, it has happened to us. We can get there again, but one of the tricks is to continue to watch this highlight reel. So I have my NBA players. We'll create like a two to three minute reel of their best games their best clips and they'll watch it every morning when they wake up they'll watch it before they step on court for practice and they'll watch it before they step on court for the game so it's constantly being implanted in their subconscious like how powerful the subconscious is as you've been hearing us talk about this a lot but it's it's creating muscle memory in your belief of who you are because you have been there so it's it's really powerful to do this and when you do this we all can do it just really envision everything that was going on. Let's say you you're you a stay-at-home mom and you were just having this great day. Your kids got a great report card. You made some awesome dinner. Like just picture picture that day, everything, what you wore, what your family was wearing, and just really get in depth and detail so you're you're visually seeing yourself going through that moment again. And if you mm. can continue to make it a habit of hey, do it in the morning do it when you have lunch, do it when you have dinner, set this thing. There's a lot of power in actually putting it on the schedule. You can say you're going to do something, but until you put it on the schedule, you really don't. So this is one thing that really is, it helps you live in the who you actually can be and not what everybody else says you have to be. And I've, I used it with a player that was when I was coaching with the Brooklyn Nets, he was called up from the NBA G League, which is like the minor league system of the NBA. And, and he'd have had a few 10-day stints in the NBA, and they never really panned out. And we worked a lot on this, on his highlight reel of when he was playing at Cincinnati, when he was dominant, even back to his high school days in White Plains, New York, where he was just the, the man. So we watched this film constantly, constantly. When he stepped on the floor that night when we were playing the Lakers, like, he, he changed the game. Like He played like that player as opposed to the player that everybody in the NBA is saying that he wasn't going to make it. So it's it's huge huge power in just just knowing you've done this thing at a great level before. And then you can just continue to see yourself living in that moment.
1: Yeah. I think there's so much to be, to be said for what you just kind of brought up and that making sure you kind of remember your greatness within you. Right. I think so many times we forget that we have these great moments. Right. And that we're able to kind of redefine that within us. And like you just said, with the one player you brought up, just re re bringing up his highlight reel for himself other things he has accomplished, the things he has done, it puts him in a position to kind of have that pivot in that mindset shift to remember who he was. And I think so many times in our lives, man, like, we forget who we were, because we go through tough times, we go through adversity. And we're like, man, like, I've lost myself, or man, I'm not good enough, or I'm not where I want to be. But yet, we forget to, to kind of make the point of, what, what how have we accomplished we've gotten through everything before we've yes. managed it this far right like did god ever let us down like never right so yes. like we've always gotten to this point so, so i think it's just incredibly fast and i go through this too like i'm not i'm not the i'm not the i'm not one here to say that i don't ever think like when i'm going through tough times like man like why is this happening to me am i going to get through it do i panic a little bit yeah but i think my turnaround time is a lot quicker than it used to be right because I have built these routines and habits and this Rolodex of stuff within me to be like, okay, like give me an hour or two hours to to like worry and then that's it. Like it's move, game over, move forward. Because the body's naturally, the subconscious is naturally going to panic and worry. We're wired that way. We're worried to go into the fight or flight mode. We're worried to like get ourselves all worked up, but it's how you manage that that counts. So this is fascinating stuff because I think a lot of people, like I said, who are listening to this or they're watching it they struggle with confidence and i think the key to getting through any tough moment in your life is having the confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to get through it so i'm loving this so what's the next step
0: yeah i love that point that's what i'll tell people like everything that you have gotten through to this point today you have gotten through like mm. you've already got through every difficult situation in your life you're going to get through it again like it's going to happen no doubt so no this is so such good points that that you got there i love that and uh, yeah going on number five i think we're on number five right yeah five yes confidence through pouring into others i love that this is a this is a big one and when you can actually a lot of people will say it but when you can actually make this change of not worrying about yourself and what you're getting out of a situation, but what you can pour into others. That's when the floodgates of breakthroughs Mm. open up. And, and I I do it like, I have a a tool that I can tell you at the end of this is, is your hands. Like I told you, I'm really big on having actionable steps that you have with you at all time in your hands. One of the things that I do with my hands is every time I enter a room, I'll say the word serve. So it's putting my mind in the frame of it's not about me when I enter that room, but it's about how can I serve these people in this room? What can I do to them? And, and it, it's really, it's really powerful. And you get a lot more out individually when you serve others and, and you see other success, but also, man, it takes a lot of pressure off you. Like when I'll go give talks to companies in front of thousands of people, I look at my hands and I'll say serve. So now I know it's not about, Hey, what can I do for myself up here on stage, but it's how can I help everybody else here that's came to see me talk? And there's an NBA player who was my favorite player growing up. Uh, kind of my comparison guy, Steve Nash. Oh, and yeah. Steve Nash is a two-time NBA all-star. He's six-two. He's not overly athletic. Santa Clara, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's coaching with the Nets, which is kind of ironic that I used to coach with the Nets. But but he led the NBA in high fives given every year. High fives given. They take those stats, yes. And he gave <laughs> 200 and 239 high fives a game. That's a ton of high fives, but he was constantly encouraging, picking his teammates up, making everyone else around him better. And everybody that I've talked to that have played with Nash have said he is the best teammate they have ever had because of this pouring into others mentality that he has. So not only is it helping a lot of people, but it's also giving you a lot of confidence that it's not about yourself, but you are here to serve, to help others.
1: Yeah. And It's gosh. I mean, I could go on and on about serving and, and especially when you're having a bad day, like the best thing you can do is go help somebody else. Like really try to make somebody else's day better because nine times out of 10 when you're struggling or you're going through something that's kind of dark when you can just be like, What, well, like I can't really help myself right now. I'm gonna go try to help somebody else. Like automatically you'll feel better. You never regret helping somebody. You never regret calling that person that you, that you hadn't talked to in forever just to like catch up. You never regret buying that person behind you a cup of coffee. You never regret picking up the grocery tab for the person in front of or behind you at the grocery store. You never regret that kind of stuff, right? What you do regret though is sitting on your butt on the couch for days and days and days and days and, days and being like, man, like why did I not, just get up and at least move and go try to help somebody or just go out and just connect with somebody and who I hadn't talked to or whatever. And what I I love that you're like all in on relationships. I think relationships are everything. I think relationships are everything in business. I think relationships are everything in your personal life. I think relationships are everything with yourself. And going back to the point you made with Steve Nash, for those of you who don't know, Steve Nash was one of the best point guards. I mean, you could say it to ever play, right? He was I mean, an unsung hero. He was like the assist king, right? And he played on on a variety of different teams, but he played on the Mavericks. And I know for you, being of service helped really get helped you cultivate a relationship with Mark Cuban, which those everybody who's listening yeah. knows who Mark Cuban is to so talk a bit about the relationship with Mark, that story, and how it helped you kind of Grow closer to him. Cause I think this is very important for people to hear.
0: Yeah. And this is when I really saw the power in relationships and the power in just living in this service mode. So I was coaching with the Brooklyn Nets and we were playing the Dallas Mavericks. And I love being the first person on the floor. It's kind of like my just my quiet time, just the whole aura, the ambiance of just being out there alone. But this time there was another guy on the other side of the floor. He was wearing these. These old jeans and sneakers and missing a lot of shots shooting hoops and I walked by him and he looks over me and says the older you go the leg or sorry the older you get the legs go and being a shooting coach like I knew that wasn't necessarily true so I had to counteract it and I said it's not all about the legs it's about how you generate the power the momentum and and I could tell he was very interested in this and now I didn't want to get into this 15-20 minute lesson here but Cause I wanted this time to myself before the game, but I was also living. I was telling myself, Hey, I'm going to serve whoever I come in contact with. I'm going to serve. And now I didn't, I never watched shark tank. It was before shark tank was really big. And, and my wife will tell you, she's an actress and I I can't tell you if, if we see an actor or, or somebody famous walking around here in LA. But so I, I give him this, show him these tips and how he can get more momentum and he, he, on the shot and more power and he's making shots and he's loving it. Man, I can just tell that he's eating it up. And now the real NBA players have to come out and start warming up for the game. So we have to get off. And I was like, Hey man, if you want any more advice, I'm more than happy to share with you. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get, I'll get you my email. So he pulls out his business card, hands it to me. I put it in my pocket and I'm just on my way. Cause I want to get at least five minutes before the game to myself. And I'm sitting there before tip off and I pull the card out of my pocket and What I read just blows me away. It says Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Like I had no idea that I was giving Mark Cuban shooting lessons, helping him harness his his inner power for something he was passionate about. And so then I just, I emailed him the next day. I was like, hey, Mark, just, just, just like I said, gave him some more basketball advice and he ate it up. And now he's in what I call my golden 15, which is people that you pour into. You give, 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 give without expecting anything in return. And it's people that can help you in your, in your growth, in your journey. So now any time that I need business advice on anything I'm doing, I'll shoot Mark an email, shoot him a text, and he'll get right back to me because we've developed that genuine relationship through pouring into others, through serving others.
1: Yeah, and we live in a world right now, it's a fascinating story, and it's incredibly inspiring because we live in a world right now where everybody's trying to get connected to different people, yeah. and we, especially on the internet. Everyone's like, hey... Like, I'd love to be connected to that person, this person. And it's like, well, I think everybody would, right? And I think at the end of the hey. day, the, the only shot you have to connect to some of these people is to like really ha- figure out how a way you can add value to their life without anything in return. How you can give without expectation. How you can give without hoping that they're going to do something for you. Because a lot of these people that everyone wants to connect with, no matter who it is, they really don't need you. So at the end of the day, I mean, if you want to get in the circle of of people you aspire to be or look up to, find a way. And that way is through serving, right? It is through cultivating relationships where you have, I don't know. And I I was reading in this book, I think it's called the startup of you. Great book, by the way, anyone who is looking for entrepreneur advice, co-written I believe by the co-founder or founder of LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman but he talked about having like a bank account where you keep an account full of like money for, for you to be able to make trips to go see people that you admire. Maybe it's conferences, maybe it's just, you're serving and serving like David was talking about and you somehow get a coffee with a guy or guy or gal or whoever you look up to and you're able to like now afford to be like, yeah, you live in LA, you live in Phoenix. I don't live there, but I'll get there. And you're able to have the money to go out and fly and meet these people. Right. And, I think a lot of people they they're scared to do that because they don't think that they don't have they don't have the value or confidence in themselves to be able to have courage to step out of their comfort comfort zone and make the quote unquote pivot into taking a chance on themselves. And I think that's why these confidence steps, no matter if and I think David puts it very, very simply, right, in these steps, but no matter if you're taking his advice my advice, anyone else's advice, like, you have to get confidence somehow, like you have to have confidence Mm -hmm. in yourself to succeed in life. And I think so many times people confuse confidence with arrogance, right? Because Mm -hmm. people think that because they, they feel good about themselves that they're arrogant. So real quick, before we go into step six, like, how do you kind of um, differentiate like confidence and arrogance?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, arrogance is the results. It's the resume. It's everything the world's saying success. It's 2 million followers on Instagram. Like that's the arrogance confidence, Mm -hmm. but the confidence we're talking about where I said the foundation is set on self-awareness, who you stand for, what you stand for, your purpose. Are you serving others? Like that's when you're in focusing on the process, like doing all that, is is, is is humble confidence and you're going to see much far greater results in longer results if you do this other way and you're just trying to use people like you said networking I, I think networking is a dirty term like I think the LinkedIn networking like I hate when people just will be like hey you want to connect like yeah. right, get to know me first like I'm yeah. never going to connect you with somebody if I don't know you and trust you like why would I do that but people yet yeah, they just want that shortcut route and it's all based on it's all based on genuine, true relationships. Mm.
1: And you can connect with anybody now. Like, I mean, anyway. so like, I mean, and when I mean connect, you can reach out to anybody and be like, Hey, like yeah. my name is so-and-so. I mean, I, I do this all the time. I'll send them a nice voice message. Be like, Hey, my name's Doug Bopes. This is what I do. This is a bit about my journey. Like, let me know if there's anything I can do to serve you or support your mission. And nine times out of the 10, they'll either do a few things. They might not ever, they might not respond. They might, just simply like, like your thing and not say anything back. Or they might be like, cool, just keep on doing what you're doing. But there's that one time, that one chance, a lot of times what can, ha- or not a lot of times that what can happen in these events is that we get an opportunity sometimes of like, well, like, Hey, like I noticed that for, we'll just use my story, for example, just cause it's relevant right now. I see that you're in recovery from addiction. Hey, my like aunt is really struggling right now. Would you mind talking to her? Or, Hey, like I have this event coming up and I really think there needs to be somebody there to talk about like mental health and your experience, right? Like you never know, right? you just never, never know. All right, cool. So getting back to these steps, like what, so what are the last two steps in in building unshakable confidence?
0: Yeah. So step number six is confidence, through what I call choose your second or a Q word. So it's, mm. imagine the, the movie Inception where they have that top, that it's their cue. Whenever they see the top, it kicks them back into a certain level. Same thing with your Q word. It's a word that you have that you can say at any time, no matter how high, no matter how low you are, that will bring you back to level, to even playing field. And as my NBA players use it like, Literally, my word is unshakable. Like, I mean, if something's going crazy and I'm feeling like my head is below water, I can't get above. I'm just saying, unshakable, and I know that. Hey, I, I I can. I'm back at level par. This word will kick me back into. It's going to be okay. I made it through. I'm going to be okay. And what I call choose your second is with NBA players. There's a shot clock where you can see it at each end. 24 seconds in a shot clock. So I'll have them pick a number. And this is another thing of that trains the subconscious. So let's say my number 17. Now, at any time throughout the game, this, games are going to get wild. Games are going to go crazy not to how you plan them. And there's going to be a lot of different differencing situations that occur. And now when this, I see this number 17, it's going to come up every 24 seconds. If I see it, that triggers me back into all these steps of confidence that I've built up to this point where I know, oh, 17, boom, that's my cue. Ooh, I'm okay. All right, I'm level playing field. And anybody can do this. You can do it on one through 60, knowing that you got a watch on you, you got an iPhone, you got a clock, like you can always come back to this. And if if you miss it that first time, you don't feel it. Second time you don't feel it, there's 59 seconds to go until you get that other opportunity to be kicked back into that that, that level playing field. So I, I encourage people to think of their number, get a number and get a word. And it'll be really dynamic if you continue to use this. For your, your confidence in, in Q words.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love it. Like, and for me, that word is relentless, right? It is nice. Yeah. 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 Cause I think you're right. Like I think anytime you attach a word to like where you're at, like you could be in a, we talked about slumps earlier, right? We thought we could, you could be in a downtime and just remembering like, I am unshakable. I am relentless. I am tenacious. Right. That's another word I like. I, I am determined, whatever it is. It just shifts your perspective, right? And people think of the, the whole mindset thing, it, it gets a really bad connotation because I think our friend John Gordon is like the positive. He's like, when you think of John Gordon, you think of like positive energy, positive this, and he's extremely right on everything he says. The problem, and it's, it has not, this has nothing to do with, with John, and John actually talks about this too, is that people will just take any situation and they think everything is positive about it. Right. Where John talks about how to maintain positivity during negative situations, people would just be like, Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Like I'm just going to keep my, I'm just going to stay positive without like bringing in self-awareness of what the situation actually is like, like having to lose a hundred pounds is not positive. Right. That is not positive (laughs) at all. Like having to rekindle a relationship that you damaged is not positive, but In order to do so, you have to stay positive about where you're going and your mindset through that, right? So I want people to kind of pay attention to that because like our friend, John Gordon, he's like the man when it comes to how to stay positive during tough situations. But what I also don't want to get confused with that is not every situation is going to be positive. It's the mindset behind it that's important, right? So,
0: absolutely.
1: all right. So we got, we talked about our keywords, you talked about having that that word that can like kind of back you up when you're like having like a slump or whatever. So what's the last and final step?
0: So last one you set me up perfectly where your word was relentless. This is confidence through preparation and what I call relentless Consistency. That is the biggest compliment anybody can can get, in my opinion, is being relentlessly consistent. How are you showing up every single day? How are you preparing every day? Just think about it. You get a lot of confidence if you step into taking, let's say you're taking the biggest test of your life in college. What if you've taken that test 9,000 times before you've prepared for? You're going to step in there very confident as opposed to if you just step in there coldly. Like for myself, when I gave my first talk to a big company with tons of people watching them paying me way too much money to do it, like I'd heard a lot that people would just get up there and speak and they blow it. So I gave that talk like 140 times, 140 times before I stepped on stage, knowing that I had so much preparation that I put in that it just flowed so natural because I'd had that confidence in the preparation. And then just just by continuing to prepare, like I talked about earlier, preparing for your opportunity to come. We don't know when it's coming, but if you prepare daily with this relentless consistency, not only are you going to hit it out of park when your opportunity does come, but it gives you so much confidence along the way.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, relentless consistency, right? Like that's what it, that's what it takes. We talked about earlier, just taking small steps every single day and just being hyper consistent with that that'll lead up into this macro goal that we're trying to achieve. Right? So I love that. So like summarize again, what were the seven steps just so the audience, like you don't have to go into them again, but just in in order.
0: Absolutely. So start with the foundation of self-awareness and having that. It's not about the world says the results it's about what you stand for, who you stand for. So it's confidence through comparison, Mm -hmm. confidence through focusing on your strength, confidence through redefining vocabulary, Confidence through creating your own personal highlight reel, confidence through pouring into others, those hands, those service hands, confidence in choose your second or the Q word, and then confidence through preparation, the relentless consistency.
1: I love that. So simple, so easy uh, and efficient to kind of like address in your life, right? So I want to, I want to kind of pivot a little bit and I want to talk about the NBA, right? I, I think that, I mean, I, for those listening, maybe you watch the NBA, maybe you have watched the NBA, but I want to talk about like like work ethic because I think no matter mm-hmm. if you're a basketball fan or not, everybody can relate to the work ethic of a professional athlete. So out of you've spent a lot of time in the league, you spent a lot of time coaching players, who, who stands out to you as the person that, that had the greatest like work ethic and it might not have been the best player, but why, like, who was it? And like, what was it about them?
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you two. One of his, was one of my very close friends is Jeremy Lin and he prepared like none other, just his work ethic was just relentless early morning, staying late. Now he never saw the floor. He had to have 13 things even happen even happened that he didn't have control over for him to step foot on the floor in New York before he sparked it with Lynn Sandy and the rest of his career from that. So his work ethic is just just second to none. And there's also a player right now who's getting the most out of his ability is Pat Beverly. He's one of those players that you really want on your team, but you hate to play against because he's that annoying pest that Pat Pat Beverly defenders, what I call this, I kind of call it this time this coronavirus time, the Pat Beverly <laughs> virus, because it's it's thrown us all off our game. But he talks a lot about and I really love this one. And I heard him say hard work is a skill, like and not mm-hmm. just to be an athletic, but hard work is actually a skill. And we can develop that skill. And he's done it to such a high level where now he's he's got a long, long career ahead of him in the NBA because of it.
1: Yeah. And I think so many people they might assume just by looking at professional athletes that they 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 they're just gifted with athletic ability which is I mean it's true right you, you have to have certain god-given ability to be able to dunk a basketball or to be able to like have the movement in the hips and in the ankles and then in the knees that people do but there's also a lot of hard work that goes into it too right there's a lot of preparation there's a lot of watching film there's a lot of long days at the gym or free throws and, and that sort of thing and And I just remember one of the guys that that I followed a lot was Michael Jordan. And The Last Dance came out this year, which for those of you who are listening or haven't seen, it was phenomenal. If you want to just watch it behind the scenes on the hard work that goes into building a championship team, I highly recommend um, watching that because it just shows, like, A, what what it takes to build a team and the adversity that comes from – having different personalities on the team, what that can look like, how to navigate through that. It shows really goes into like Michael Jordan, who arguably was one of the greatest athletes of any sport to ever play, what he really had to put in to achieve things. And also the fact that he almost didn't make it right. I mean, he was cut from his high school basketball team. He, his dad died. I mean, he had all these things that happened to him throughout his basketball career and yet he still kept going. He still kept putting in the work. And I just bring him up because everybody knows who he is, right? And so for those listening, if you're in a position, doesn't matter if you're trying to play professional basketball or you're trying to move up at, if you're working at a Starbucks. Like just know it all comes down to work ethic. It comes down to putting in the reps. It comes down to practicing those shots. It comes down to just doing the necessary things every single day that will help you propel you forward to getting to that place where you want to be professionally, personally, spiritually, whatever it is. So last thing I want to ask you is I believe that the foundation of success for people who are trying to really make a change in their life, they're really trying to make a pivot and get through adversity during tough times is habits, right? Is being consistent with habits. So what are some things you do on a daily basis that are non-negotiables? I mean, non-negotiable for you, that keep you kind of even keel so that you're you make these pivots into something more positive
0: great question man and everything is based on habits and it's not taking all the habits and putting them together one and that's why it's the one percent steps daily and that is actually the title of my next book that's going to be coming: the one percent rule of how to do this but but yeah habits are, are everything and and i love habits and that's why on the day 29 after you create that habit after 28 days you make it a lifestyle you make mm-hmm. it a rhythm it's like that it's like that great song that you like that you could just just have that rhythm to. That's what you want your life to be like in. And some habits for myself is like every morning, every morning when I walk when I wake up, I when I walk by the mirror, I, I do this, this visual thing I call the foggy mirror and we all mm-hmm. wake up with self-doubt, self-doubt and, and the imposter syndrome is real for us and, and you take your hands and you just wipe the mirror clean. Literally, this will start your day off in confidence. You wipe the mirror clean, you take away the self-doubt that's, that's looming there on that foggy mirror. Then I get into a, a three minute ice cold shower. Right after that, I go three minute ice cold shower. These are non-negotiables. This is, I mean, it's, it's good for your body, for your recovery, for, for all of that. But more importantly, for my mind, and I have a, a chapter in the book, it's called Mental Dictatorship. And, and I, I literally went around for three years and bringing a stopwatch with me. And when an NBA player didn't want to, to start a workout, like I would hit the stopwatch, see how long it took for them to actually start kicking that mental dictatorship into where they start it they can get through it and that was 17 seconds was the number that i kept coming up with around 17 seconds so i know when i step into that ice cold shower the first 17 seconds they suck i hate it but after that i it's it's all good i know i can get through anything in the day i've already gotten through that so i have my foggy mirror hands i have my ice cold shower then i'll go make this um, amazing coffee. I'm a big coffee drinker, Chemex coffee. I always, I'm really big on having something to look forward to in the morning, like have your killer coffee or killer drink or whatever it is that you're waking up excited to go to. And then I'll spend the next 30 minutes in, in quiet time and journaling and prayer. And Jesus, my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to me. So I'm always giving him the first part of my day that, that can't be touched by anything else. And I'm just easing into my day and creating this this morning routine that I know is, is is the foundation of my day to come. Then I, I have a non-negotiable. I'll, I'll do some kind of some kind of workout, some kind of exercise, not just for my body but also for my mind. It really stimulates my mind, and I find I do much better work after a workout where I'm just just func- functioning on all cylinders. So that's another non-negotiable. I'll have times periodically throughout the day where I just stop for five minutes and just just nothing, just stop and just either reflect or pray or something just for five minute blocks at lunch at dinner I also have a thing that i do is called the big three mm-hmm. where i'll have at, at, at the end of each day i'll write down three things that i know that went after like those are going to be the three main things i focus on for the next day so at the end of each day i'll assess what i got done understanding if i didn't get all those three big three things done that's okay they'll move on to the next day it's it's what I also call the full plate mentality, understanding when you wake up every morning, your plate is prepared for you. God's prepared your plate for everything that you're gonna get through throughout that day. And you can rest easy with that. And it gives you a lot of it gives you a lot of peace too, because then like as as entrepreneurs or just go-getters, self-starters, like a lot of people are, like it's tough to shut it off. And I make sure that I have a time set at the start of each day of when I am going to shut it off. That way I can be fully present with my wife who is amazing so much cooler than I am just unbelievable blessing like I want to give her all of my attention when I shut off work so making sure that I have that built in. So those are those are some of my non-negotiables. There's there's a few other things that I'll do through the day but those are the main ones that I've really found have an impact.
1: Habits are everything man. I love what you said about just kind of owning your morning too. I think I mean fitness is a huge part of my life as well. I think fitness, relationships, relationship with God, whatever you know, you, you call it is first and foremost important is owning the beginning part, like bookending your days, right? Like owning the beginning of your day and then owning the end of your day. Right. I think the, the more you can like own those two parts, the better the middle will be right. Because now you're setting yourself up to get a good night's sleep. You're winding down. You're maybe reading a good book at the end of the night. You're you're spending, you know, some quality time with your spouse, whatever it is. And in the morning you're getting your, your mindset in the right Mode based on how you're nourishing yourself. For me, I love coffee too, workout, maybe watching something that's inspirational, praying to God, whatever it is. I mean, I'm a Christian as well. So, like, that's a, a, a obviously important to me too. But find whatever works for you. I think so many times people try and like, just do what somebody else does and assume it's going to work for, for you. I mean, just kind of try it on. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Move on to something else, but at least try and see something through and don't be one of those people that just jump, bounce around from thing to thing and you never really stick to anything. So where can people find out more about you? I know you got your amazing book, Pivot and Go, which everybody has to go check out. I mean, like I said, it's, a, it's David's blueprint 29 days to really change the habits in your life and to pivot into becoming your best version of you. I know you got coaching you got going on. You've got Instagram. Like, where can people find out more about you?
0: Yeah, on social media, DavidNurseNBA, Instagram and Twitter. My website, DavidNurse.com. My podcast, the 1% podcast, which we are going to have you on here <laughs> one of these days soon for sure. And, yeah, I mean, pivot and go anywhere books are sold. And we'll come out to L.A. and maybe you'll see me hanging on the beach or something. That's yeah. it. No, get out of that East Coast. Get out of that East Coast, Baltimore. and Come to the West Coast.
1: <laughs> I will, man. Yeah. I as, as we're recording this, I know I'll be out there soon. So I, I appreciate you, man. I feel like this conversation could have gone on for like four hours, and we could have like motivated the entire Absolutely. world with that, right? So, <laughs> and I appreciate you. I appreciate our relationship, and glad that we were connected. And for those listening, I, there's there's so many nuggets that, that David dropped. A is like. I think so many times, and, and you guys have heard from a lot of people that I've, not a lot, but some people that I've interviewed that have had to have massive identity shifts in their life, right? Like whether it was somebody who wanted to be a professional athlete and they found out that it just wasn't for them and they had to pivot into something else. And it became their biggest blessing because now they're doing some amazing things. Or maybe it was somebody that thought they were going to you know, going to some other huge avenue for their career. And they ended up having to pivot because that wasn't for them. And now they're, you know, out serving and living their purpose. Right. So that's one thing. Just remember that whatever you're going through, whatever dark time you're going through, it's for something greater than you could ever imagine. I know right now it might suck because you're like, that sounds cliche, but look back on every dark moment you've ever been through. And don't tell me that there hasn't been, there hasn't been some sort of amazing blessings that's come out of it. Right. Cause there has been. And also, yeah. And some, and then also David brought up the good point on confidence. Like we all need confidence within ourselves. And if people who are telling you, you shouldn't be confident, there's some people that you should get out of your life because you need to be confident with yourself. And it doesn't mean that confidence comes from making a ton of money. It doesn't mean that confidence comes by going out and buying a new car. Confidence doesn't come from buying a new house confidence comes from doing the things you should be doing consistently, following the things David said, following like what you should be doing intuitively to grow into a better version of yourself. Take chances, take risks, make mistakes, fall on your face, get back up. That's how you build confidence. Right. And then last but not least, it's like relationships. Like what are you doing to pour into the people around you? What are you doing to pour into your community? What are you doing to pour into social media? Are you consuming social media? Or are you creating? Are you somebody that's kind of just sitting there, and just scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through, and then just wondering why you haven't made that shift in your life because you're not adding the value that you should or could be doing when you're online. So once again, reach out to David. Make sure you tag him. Tag myself with your biggest takeaway. Get his book, Pivot and Go. It's incredible, and I appreciate y'all. And once again, um, I thank you for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we will see you next time.